hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. My guest today is Kathy Blunt. Kathy is a longtime experiencer of very intense and very nuanced Sasquatch experiences. She's been interacting with the Sasquatch in meaningful ways for a number of years now. A lot of surprising stuff in, in Kathy Blunt's story. And she's the author of the book, My Journey into Myth and Mystery. It's available on Amazon. It's actually My Journey into Myth and Mystery, The Search for Sasquatch. It's available on Amazon. Kathy, uh, her, her, her pen name is KJ Blunt, and that's B-L-O-U-N-T. That's KJ Blunt. You can find her book on Amazon, My Journey into Myth and Mystery, The Search for Sasquatch. Kathy Blunt, welcome to Type 471 at long last. How you doing? Pretty good. Thanks, Dan. You make me sound so important. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you are important. Don't don't sell yourself short. I think you do a lot of really cool stuff. I think you are important. I think you've got a lot of important things to say. Well, thank you very much. Well, good. You're you're very welcome. So, Kathy, this um it, your your story is intriguing and there's there's it's not an easy story. There's 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 no easy, you know, this and that and you know, it's there's a lot to it. So, um <laughs> <laughs> I just want to start at, you know, the closest place to a beginning that we can and, and figure out what's going on from there. Can we do that? Let's start with your inciting incident. Yes. What, 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 what was your first Sasquatch experience? Oh, that was in 2008. It was an area where I had lived for like years and I didn't know anything about the Sasquatch okay, to start with. I know that sounds strange in today's world, but my family did a lot of um, outdoor things and we weren't really sitting around the TV a lot. But I, I don't remember really any encounters back then. But my first one was, um, <laughs> my first one started, gosh, do we go into the woo? It started with mind speak. It started with body control. And it followed me home. I mean, it was very, um, I guess, traumatic to a lot of people. But to me, you know, I like took it in stride because it was something new and exciting. I know it, I, it's hard to get to started because, um the beginning started so odd and I instantly went to the internet to get validation or confirmation. And I met with a lot of skepticism because back then in 2008, woo hadn't even, the term woo hadn't even been invented. You were just crazy or drunk or high. Right. Yeah. And so. well, well, to, to put your mind at ease on this show, we, we engage the woo full throttle. We don't, we don't shy away from it at all. In fact, that's part of what I love so much about your experiences is the huge woo factor and just how kind of just interesting and nuanced it, the whole thing is. So yeah, don't, don't be afraid of the woo at all, Kathy. Oh, cool. Okay. So when it first started, I was arguing with somebody else in my mind. And it started with a bark ball, you know, a gall that grows on the trees. Right. 
I love those. And I love those. So I see one as I'm walking up to cross, cross over in between two trees. I see one on the left-hand tree, and my mind clocks it. Cool, bark ball. Suddenly a voice, a male deep bass voice, tells me that is a bee's nest. It will sting you. Well, I'm, you know, not argumentative, but I'll debate a person. And I said, no, I'm arguing. It's a bark ball. It's telling me I'm going to get stung. Well, then, you know, this lasted for a while. And then I realized I was actually retracing my steps. And then I got kind of angry because I didn't tell myself to go this way. I wanted to go that way. You know, <laughs> I was following clues. And I guess it didn't want me. I later found out there was a bed. I found a bedding there under a big cedar tree. So I was not supposed to be in that area. And it was trying to calmly tell me, don't come here, you know, use my gut instinct, I think, against me. But I started arguing. Well, next thing I knew, like I said, I was walking back the same way I'd come. Well, so that kind of threw me for a loop. And I thought, I need to sit down and think about this for a little bit. And I found this little um, sand. This was in sand dunes, okay, on the edge of a forest. And so I found this little mound. Then I went to sit down and saw this huge handprint on the ground. And then that was weird because I thought nothing's that big. Nothing. No man can be that big. What is out here with me? And then when my husband got home from work, I took him out there. And he goes, oh, that's a Sasquatch. And I go, what the hell is a Sasquatch? And he goes, big friend. I go, I thought he was joking with me. He was a clown, you know. And it turns out he wasn't, and he, um, we went, they got casting materials, we got Lockite, you know, we were in construction, that's what we had, and we went and actually cast it. And then that evening, he was playing music at a bar, so I had to, it was going to rain, and I wanted that casting of that handprint. So I went back out there by myself at dusk. Oh, that was a mistake. And then, um, it was obviously still out there because, um, it did not want me to have that handprint. Um, I could feel emotions that were not my own. I was happy. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a whole new journey. And then all of a sudden I was concerned, anxious, and then I got mad. You know, I could feel these feelings. And then I had my back to this big, huge cedar tree. It had branches that went all the way to the ground. And um, that's where I found the bed two days later. But anyway, so I heard this grunt behind me, and I thought, oh, my gosh. And I ripped that cast out of the ground and started walking out of there as fast as I could. And it followed me. And it was telling me, and I'll never forget, that I cannot let you take that. It is a part of me. And he was very concerned. Well, I made a promise, and I said, I will never show it to anybody, and I will never come here again. Well, I kept half of that promise. You know, I've never shown anybody that hand cast, and I do still have it. And, But, you know, curiosity got the best of me, and I went back out um, a couple of days later. And people can read about all of my books. I'm not going to go into detail, but, you know, the cedar tree, I found a bed under there, a, a pine bough under a cedar, um, and it had two white bulbs sitting on top of it. And I... um couldn't identify them by sight alone, so I thought, well, I'm going to take one and go look it up on the Internet and see what it is. And the strange thing is I had my camera but never once thought to pick it up because when I knelt down to pick up one of those white bulbs, it was there. I still get kind of freaked out about it. And um, anyway, it was telling me that it could not let me tell anybody where it was. I didn't feel threatened. I felt reprimanded. 
You know, um, I mean, I remember the first thing was, do not take that, it's not yours. And I instantly felt reprimanded. You know, um, I was a child stealing is what I was doing. I was stealing it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that kind of throws your brain into a loop. Um, I left there and um, I never went back to that spot. But I um, wanted to know where it had come from because, you know, that was a spot I had gone to with my cats previously. Nothing was there. So where did it come from? So now I'm scouting all this area. Um, all I drove so many logging roads and everything looking for a place to get to. And it was just by luck. Another couple said, we'd like to take you to our favorite hidden spot up in the woods. You know, only the locals know where it is. But, you know, would you like to come? Well, heck yeah. Oh, my gosh. The first night we were up there, there they were. Oh, my God, Sam, I am not lying. It was like we're sitting around the fire, and, and you could hear the frogs. This is beautiful lake that's up in the woods, just absolutely gorgeous. Frogs are going off. Um, insects are going off. Um, all of a sudden, deathly quiet. Right? Right. And I first noticed it. I looked, and my, it was just me and my girlfriend sitting at the fire. It was like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I go, do you hear that? And she goes, I don't hear anything. And I said, I know. That's what I'm talking about. And then pine cones, little, (laughs) you know, there's some things that I've never put in my book because they're just personal. Do you know what I mean? Just too personal. Yeah. And anyway, we were, um, Christy and I were first introduced. This is our area. We welcome you here. Um, They didn't like a few of the people in our camp, and we were told why. You know, these are not good people. and, and, And I had felt that already about these people that showed us where this place was. But it was just... Awesome. It was so awesome. You know, I had looked for months. I'd driven and driven and driven and found things, evidence, you know, in different areas, but nothing of we live here, more of a we're passing through, you know, kind of a thing. Right. Like when you find hundreds of oyster shells in the middle of the woods, and even my husband goes, no, that's weird. You know, because they're not cracked open. They're broken open. I mean, mounds, dude, mound. It was a mound, like a freaking termite hill. There was so many, and it was right up the hills above uh, where the uh, plant was down on the bay. I don't know if they're still in the things or what, but, you know, um, stick structures, handprints in the sand. My husband saw one sitting on the shoreline up underneath two trees. You know, we knew we were on the right path, but it wasn't where they lived. I wanted to find out where can I spend time with them. So where, how far inland uh, from the ocean was this? On the coast. Oh, is it, so like, like right on the coast or like half a mile? Uh, five miles up the hills, maybe, you know, to get to the woods that I started going and camping in for like, oh my gosh, weeks and months at a time. So these oysters must have been brought from about five miles away, it seems? Oh gosh, yeah. Okay. I mean, we're in the hills up above the coastline, but, you know, I knew where there's an oyster place. I'm not going to give the name, but there's an oyster place right down there on the coast. And um, we had been driving all these back roads and logging roads, and, you know, you come upon locked gates and blah, blah, blah. But um, we were finding things, so I knew, wow, you know, I was I, I was jazzed. I was like, oh, my gosh, Harry and the Hendersons exist? This thing exists? I was, it was awesome. And so I started camping there alone. Um, see, because in between me camping there alone, my husband had a siding, like I said, and I went back and denied it fervently. He, he denied all of it. So I knew he was not going to be a partner in this little journey. And so um, I started camping up there by myself and, and they welcomed me. Oh my gosh. Just, 
this clan was so loving, you know, so accepting and loving of me. So um, I hated leaving there. I had to, unfortunately, due to personal circumstances, moved to Oregon. And so I was kind of, you know, oh, gosh, do I have to start looking and searching again? Well, no. <laughs> First time I went camping at a, you know, a spot in the mountains, which it's an hour from my home. So, you know. I don't go there all the time, but the first time that I went there with a friend, as soon as he passed down the tent, they came in and and threw uh, pebbles my way, not at me, small pebbles that went through my flashlight beam because I, I thought there was a bear standing under this copse of trees. And I thought, oh, goodness, whatever, right? Showed my flashlight on it, and it ran so fast, and my flashlight couldn't keep up. But then a little pebble came through my flashlight beam, and I went, what? And then a second one, I went, oh. So I told him, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were a bear. Turned my light off. Well, you know, thank you for welcoming me. Um, you know, I, 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 I just start talking to him. But that's what I do, right? And so as I'm talking to what I know have to be the juveniles based on the height of this shadow that flashed over across this um, gravel parking area, then um, I turned my light off. Oh, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go back into camp. You know, you're welcome to come. And I walked back into camp, and um, something big, the big guy, one of the big ones came in across the river. And you could tell because this is a pretty wide river that I'm camped right on the bank of. And it took one, two, three steps to get across. It was one splash, two splash, three gravel. Oh, you're already across. Holy mother of God. Okay, hello. You know, I got a little concerned, but hello. You just got to keep calm. So <laughs> one more time, just just how wide was this river? Just, I mean, estimating? Oh, my goodness. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't walking across in three steps. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, I that... guess. I mean, I'm not giving up anything. It's the Coquille River. If you want to look up the Coquille River that runs from the ocean up into the mountains, I'm not giving up anything. It's a rather long river. People who are familiar <laughs> with the area are familiar with the Coquille River. Correct. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty decent-sized river, and this big boy made it across the river in three steps, or at least to the gravel shallow area in three yeah. steps. No, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I heard one splash, and I went, oop, two splashes, okay. Three gravel crunch. And I went, crunching the gravel means you're on this side. Oh, my goodness. And I got a little concerned, you know. <laughs> right. You do, because, you know, you don't know. I'd never been there before. Um, no, that's a lie. I'd never been there knowing there was Sasquatch, Sam. That's the thing. I logged this area with my husband. No one mentioned anything to me about a Bigfoot or Sasquatch. I knew nothing mm-hmm. other than feeling watched when you're in the woods. But you know what? Could be mountain lion. Could be bear. Could be whatever. Sure. You know, you get that feeling in the woods, yes, but there are predators out there. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's part of the human condition to have, I mean, we've been, we've been wired to, to feel this for millions of years. It's part of how we've stayed alive this long is to feel that, that fear out in the woods when there are predators around. Oh, yeah. And and pay attention to it. Definitely. (laughs) So it was quite, quite a shock to me to have them come in my first night up there. And, and you know, it, the trepidation comes from, well, this is a clan I don't know. You know, how do you like humans? Have people pissed you off in the past? You know, you don't know. Uncertainty. But this one came in, and, and the uncomfortable part was he went and stood behind this large boulder. 
Well, my chair was in front of that boulder, and I was heading for my chair about the time he got to that boulder, and I went, oh, this is not going to be good. But I was already headed that way. You know, I stopped at the fire and kind of, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I'm going to sit in the chair. Let's see what's going to happen. I've already introduced myself. I've been talking to him. I said, I'm going to come over and sit in my chair in front of the fire. You know, mean you no harm. I hope you don't mean me no harm. You know, and I sat down, and he wandered off, and they all wandered and followed him up away from the river, up the hillside. And that was the end of that one. And the person who I was camping with was just in the tent snoring away the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't know anything had happened. So the next morning, I got up, and, and I found um, a trackway coming up where he came up out of the river and um, paralleled the camp spot. You know, there's vegetation in a circle all the way around this little camp spot with the river on one side. And anyway, he had come up and, you know, I washed away all the, blocked away all the footprints. And there was a couple underneath behind the rock, the boulder. You know, because this, you know, I wasn't ready to share. You know, this person, I didn't know really all that well. It was a local I had just met. So Mm. I hide evidence a lot. When me and Christy find trackways, we don't advertise. We get rid of them. Mm. This is who we are. You know, I know a lot of people are like, proof, proof, evidence. Well, get it. It can't be that difficult. Maybe for some people, maybe you're a bad person. Maybe I don't want you to track them. You know, I, I get friendly with the clans that come around me. I don't want them coming to harm. And I know that some people think that's a bad thing, but it's my thing. I have one print I cast on my wall, and I'm happy with it. And... So if I take Slack, I'll take the Slack. Sam probably doesn't have the same views. Is well, that better? <laughs> well, I, I respect your stance. I respect that you cover their tracks when your research is done to protect them from other people who aren't as caring or as uh, or as high-minded or as moral or with as much integrity as you. So I, I, I'm well, absolutely on board with what you do to, to, to cover the evidence. Well, and if they're going to be friendly with us and show us respect, I want to treat them like I would any friend of mine, and I wouldn't want any of my friends getting hunted. Sure. You know, you have to go with respect. If you're out there with the mindset, I'm going to find evidence and I'm getting pictures and I'm going to harm your family, well, yeah, they're going to come in aggressive. That's just common sense. Yeah, it it is it becomes really evident when getting into the deeper aspects of the Bigfoot phenomenon just how much intention plays a part and just how important oh. having the right intention is. I firmly believe they know what you're thinking before you do. I firmly believe that. I firmly 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 believe that based on shit the stuff that's happened to me. Don't ever go out there thinking I'm going to one up you. You'll have a even if you don't get an aggressive encounter, their thing is they're going to want to count coup on you. They're going to want to come in behind you and show you, I could have killed you if you go in with that mindset. We were camping with the guy who had that mindset, and I didn't know about it until we sat around the campfire that night. And he's like, I'm going to get evidence, and I'm going to get this, and I'm taking the body home. And I'm like, who the fuck bought you? Who brought you here? Well, this guy, me and Christy had gone out. We had this little place. We would go play flute. It's this little secluded meadow out in the woods. Beautiful. We would go play flute. And they would always come in and stay in the tree line. But, you know, and we'd sit on this big, huge fallen tree, and we'd play our flutes and just have a good time. Well, we were out there, like, all this one day until I looked over, and that guy was over there looking, peeking back behind a tree. Like, he had followed us to find our spot. Well, obviously, 
we walked straight up to him and took him back to camp. And I told him, I do not appreciate this, you know, sneaky stuff going on. And the next day he went out there with his dogs. Well, check this out. They came running back to camp covered in beasting, covered in beasting. He said he had gone and sat on our stump and heard a noise behind him, whipped around, and all these bees just covered him. Now, I don't know if the story is true because I wasn't there, but I know they came back covered in bee stings. Even the poor dogs had two pit bulls covered, right? We had been there. So to me, if you want to follow me, this is what you get. Okay, I had no sympathy for them. <laughs> I really didn't, okay? So that was one thing. Well, now, the person who showed us this spot bugged me and bugged me and bugged me all the time, which I think is why my husband started stepping back going, no, I never saw anything. I don't know anything about it. Because, you know, ridicule, you know, bang, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. Well, so we were sitting in camp. Me and Christy had gotten in the tent, had enough of that family's stuff. And they had two pit bulls that barked all the time. Now, check this out. Every time we were at the lake, those dogs never uttered a sound. But I'll tell you, they were the barkingest dogs I'd ever met in my life. But at night, they would yelp, you know, to get in the tent about 7.30. And you never heard another sound from them dogs. Even this night, check this night out. The wife gets in the tent with the two pit bulls, never hear a sound. And so he goes, I'm going to go out and do some rockets over the lake. Awesome. You know, cool. So I'm sitting there with the tent door open, and I'm watching these pretty colors going out over the lake. Well, as soon as the last one came out, right behind where he was standing was this huge tree. Okay, I mean, you're going to want to know how big. I don't know. Is this eight inches? No, I'm kidding. Okay, so I don't really know how big it is, but it's this huge round tree, okay? And as soon as the last rocket went out, boom, this tree was hit so hard, he said he felt it in his bones. Mm. Right. Well, I heard it. It was just boom. And I could see him. He jumped straight up in the air and then started running back towards the campsite. OK. And we were down like three steps down from the road, this logging road. And he ran up the logging road and he didn't even take the steps. He slid in like a baseball player coming into home base. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just slid and he's coming in right from my tent. And I put my leg out and I kicked him. So he kind of veered off towards the campfire. And I mean, you are not getting in my tent right now. You pissed him off. You deal with him. And he was, he's all, I mean, he's blabbering as he's, as he's sliding and he's all, I know, my God, they're there, they're there, they're real. You're right, they're real, they're real. And I just kicked him off towards the campfire. Goodbye, slide that way. You deal with him, dude. And so, you know, um, I see this big black shadow. He's standing right there by the tree. And I'm just inside cracking up wildly. Something, and that's what you get. Yeah. That's what you get. You know? <laughs> I'm a firm believer in you get what you give. You piss them off, you deal with them. That's but right. I'm glad that I had an eye on him. And I go, you know that wasn't me and Christy, right? I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> we're right here. It wasn't us. Do what you want with him and his dogs, but leave us alone, right? Yeah. Wow. That is poetic justice, isn't it? It is. And if you want to hear another one, and it's always men. I think they have too high testosterone or something, but it's always men that get this. I take this guy who I liked until, you know, the Sasquatch didn't, and I take him up to my favorite spot, and this was um, the first clan that I had met. And it was after um, I divorced my husband, and I go, I need to go back up there, you know. So we drove from Oregon back up there. And our first night there, I have never heard of smell to smell. People say they smell bad. I have never smelled a squash. 
ever, okay? Well, this has happened to two different people, and I didn't like either one of them afterwards. The first one, this guy I take up there, and he's being all Mr. Macho, and he don't believe, but, you know, I'm in our, um, you know, hang with the chicks. And so I take them up there, and um, they, I don't know how they do it. I'm not going to profess to know. But when everything somebody owns is in the same tint as you, and their stuff smells like rancid dog poo, and yours smells fine, what the? How do you explain that? Hmm. Okay, so I thought, well, maybe he just didn't wash his stuff before we came. You know, I thought, whatever. And he's all, no, no, they were clean. I'm like, whatever, you know, not a big deal. Well, so that night we had a big, huge tree come down behind the tent. Have you ever heard that? Well, you know a tree just came down because you hear it going pop, 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 bam, and it hits the ground. Well, the next day there's no tree. There's no tree down. There's no tree. We walked half a mile out. There was no trees down. Okay, so I thought, whatever. He wanted to leave. I said, good, let's go. I never talked to him again. I took another chick up there who was supposed to be a researcher. I didn't take her to the area. I took her to the ridge above, okay? Because I thought, you know, yeah, well, this is as close as you're going to get. I don't know you. I took her to the ridge way up above, and we camped there overnight. Um, first night, everything was cool. We had eye shine. You know, um, she's pointing out eye shine. I think I'm like, don't point right at him. You front them off. Let them come in. I said, me and Christy, get them in closer. We ignore the heck out of them hmm. until they're in. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, yeah. Okay. So I'm all quick pointing stuff out. Yeah, yeah, eye shine, stop. And so the next day, we needed to go into town to get more supplies. When we came back, and this on the ridge where we camped, the road ends right here, and it's like a swampy area on this side. So there's not much room. Our tents were very close together. Our ice chests are right next to each other. Here's our camp chair. We came back from getting supplies. She opens her tent. I go into my tent, and she screams, whatever she screams, you don't want to know, come here and smell this. What do you smell? I having never smelled anything before, go in, open her tent, take a big old whiff. Holy heck, rented dog poop. The whole tent. It was bad. I go, oh, my God, what did, what did you leave in there, right? And she's like, nothing. So I go, whatever. So I start to put my groceries away. She opens her ice chest. The inside of the ice chest smelled like it. Hmm. I am not joking. It was so weird. Wow. And she's all, let me smell yours. And she opens my tent. She goes, no, smells okay. And she opens my eyes chest. She's like, there's nothing wrong with your stuff. I can hmm, imagine that. Wonder what that could mean. I already know what it means. It means they don't like you, and I'm so glad I brought you to the ridge instead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No kidding. You, you, so you had, you had instincts about these people, and the Sasquatch just tend to confirm the instincts that you already have. Right. And the first time it happened, I had no instincts. I thought, oh my gosh, this guy's so cool. But yeah, if the squatch don't like you, there's a reason for it, I think. It's like your dog, right? If your dog doesn't like somebody, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, beings that are more in touch to... You know, we, we we distract ourselves from our own intuition with the material world and with self-interest. And, you know, meanwhile, we have, we have these other intelligent beings who live a, a life of complete uh, aestheticism, uh, without material concern in the, at least in the sense that, that we have it. So they're kind of, right. so they're kind of more in tuned and you know, that, that applies to animals as well. They're, they're in harmony with the natural world just by nature. We, we're the only ones who choose not to be. So we, we dull our own intuition and insight that way. Oh, right. Well, I don't have that choice. It, it kind of hits me all the time. I kind of try to now, you know what I mean? I try to be a little more insightful, but I mean, the more important thing to me is how do they do this? Do you know what I'm saying? How if our stuff was so close together, her stuff stink, mine didn't. In the same tent, his close tank, mine didn't. You know, they're not going on them. They, they weren't 
soiled in any way. So, I mean, that's kind of, to me, you know, some people talk about glandular things, and I don't know. To me, it was just the most perplexing thing that I had come across. <laughs> to me, I'm I'm thinking about a number of different possibilities as you're talking about this, and I, I don't claim to have any real insight. I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking about what could possibly cause that such such a targeted odor inside Correct. inside of a tent. First of all, what material was this tent made out of? It's just my nylon tent, my green Coleman tent. Okay. So that's that that tells us a lot actually because nylon is not nearly as breathable as other materials. In fact, nylon uh, is often woven with bamboo fibers for or, or yeah, bamboo fibers for the purpose of making uh sails and parachutes and stuff like that. So it can't have any air passing through it. So um that that's important. It's not it's not canvas that could have air and uh particles passing through it. It's nylon. So that that tells us something. First, so w- was there an open top in this tent? No, it was closed. Okay. And it was zipped. Oh, they've touched me in my tent twice when it was zipped in. It was, they can go through a tent. Right. Oh, I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Something, I can't say it was a Sasquatch, but something has touched me twice in my tent. And now I sleep in the middle of the tent and they still do it. Okay, I don't know. They have some really, really, really strange to me talents um touching you through a tent that's closed your zippers on and um, they can take off the rain fly they've done that to us before i don't know they just want to see us sleeping or something you wake up and you're looking at the sun going oh crud here we go again you know <laughs> <laughs> the only one they couldn't get the rain fly off they broke the um um help me out here the poles oh yeah it was one that the rain fly hangs over the door but it has the poles that you stick in there sure well, my other tents just had the J-hooks where they would just pull down on it probably and it would pop off. Well, so they tried to do it to this one, but they broke the poles. I don't know if that freaked them out because they instantly ran off. And I was like, well, thanks, you know, give me another tree stunk or something. You didn't bring me a branch or you just broke my pole. <laughs> <laughs> you could bring me a branch or something and it run off. The and least they, they could ran do. Off and, yeah, you would think so, huh? <laughs> but, yeah, there's been some strange things, and, and I wanted to keep it just the squatch. Now, I was told in the beginning, other things follow. No, no, they don't. No, no, no. Just the squatch. Well, no. So then orbs come into the picture, okay? Well, when I first started this, I thought orbs were flare lenses. They were um, dust on your lens. You know, there's reasons for it. Well, no. When you see one with the naked eye, in broad daylight, there's no reason for it. <laughs> there's no lens flare going on on my eyeball. Um, you know, and the first time that I saw one flying over the lake, it was at dusk, and um, no one was with me, and I thought, oh, great, you know, prove this one, whatever. Well, so then the second time, it was awesome because I was out there um, at the same place with Wendy, and her and I um, just happened to have our backs to the fire because we didn't want to lose our night eyes, and this orb came in out of the woods, and it stopped about arm's length in front of me and Wendy. I could have reached down and touched it. Of course, I never lifted my arm. Never did. Neither did she. And I never looked at her either because I'm looking at it and it slides in and it stopped. And we're like, hmm, it's about the size of a softball. And it's glowing, but it's not emitting light. It, it's just, it's light, but it's not emitting. You know, none of the vegetation lit up as it floated past it. And it stopped right there in front of us and it bobbed up once and down and then stood there still and I go, huh. And so I did the same thing with my head. I didn't know what to do. I bobbed my head up. Hey, how you doing? None of us said a word. And it had to be at least a minute. It had to be. And then it bobbed up again and went off to the right and just carried on its little life. 
And then that's when I turned to Randy. Well, you were seeing this, right? He's like, hell yes. Oh, good. Confirmation. Awesome. Okay. So then the third time was with Christy, and it was um, in a different area. This is in Oregon. And um, we were standing outside, you know, back to the fire, you know, Legion Night Eyes. And um, <laughs> this orb comes in off my right shoulder, and it comes in kind of at a diagonal, and it's heading towards the water, and then it stops. And then it continues forward. And that's when I got, you know, it's so dark, I couldn't see Christy's face. I go, Christy, did you see that? She goes, yeah. What the hell was that? And I go, an orb. Well, I don't know what it is. I just know that it is. And they call it an orb. <laughs> you know? So luckily, I've had two other people with me that can validate the fact that these things are organic. Um, they didn't have a face or anything, you know. Um, and it was light, but not emitting light. It wasn't glowing. You know what I mean? That yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I guess that there there are a number of reasons I can think of why that would be the case, but the most likely one would just be that it's a very diffused, very soft glow, and so this this glow isn't really <laughs> no. It is light. Wow. The ball is light. Huh. I don't know what to tell you. This is just a thought that came into my head, and it describes it perfectly. Hmm. Yet it doesn't describe it. I understand to people, I'm not a very descriptive person, but it didn't glow. It wasn't pulsing at many of these times. It was just a round, organic light. Right. And it was bright enough that in a normal physical world context, it should have illuminated the the, the, the environment Correct. around it. Right. Okay. Correct. And that's what I started watching for the two other, the other, the last two times when I was with someone else. Because the first time I didn't notice that. I'm like, well, did it shine on the leaves or did it not when it passed that tree? Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So this other time with Wendy, when I saw it coming in through the woods, I mean, it came in through the woods. It came out of the woods into our clearing. So you could see it coming. And no, the tree trunks never lit up that it passed. Um, the huckleberries never lit up. You know, it, it just, and that's what I was watching as it was coming through. And then as it left, went past the outhouse and then back out through the woods. And I'm like, well, isn't that weird? I mean, they're like, they're not just floating randomly. It's like, you know, it was on a mission. And that one that crashed me and Christy, I got the impression it was on a mission, but then it did stop for a few seconds, just seconds, and continued forward. You know, it's like people go swamp gas or this or that or something floating it. No, these are on a mission. The one that went across, he was headed for that other research team. I knew where he was headed, you know? Yeah, so you, you noted intelligence and uh, it had yeah. it had an agenda. Kind of, to me, that's the impression I got. They weren't just ambling, wandering aimlessly, you know, floating anywhere. So, yeah, those are the weird things. Those Those are weird to me, too. So you you had a, a couple similar experiences to this just this past summer. Um, I remember you mentioning uh, seeing another orb flying out over the water. Did this one have any reflection or any illumination no. or anything like that? No. Hmm. No. Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Huh. They're not emitting light. They are light. And, and another thing I would like to know is if anybody listening has ever had their picture taken. And I will explain this. Growing up, I know the new generation didn't have that, but we had square cubed flash bulbs cubes that attached to the camera. And when that went off, it was just this white light, boom, white light. And then you had this, you know, 
right stuck on your retinas for a while, but that bright, but that quick to just flash. Okay, twice now that has happened to me in the woods, and this is in broad daylight, the first time. And I'm looking over someone's shoulder, and I see this bright, quick flash, and it instantly brought to mind flash cube. Someone just took my picture, and I went, "Wait, what? I'm in the woods. No one took my picture." <laughs> Maybe. 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. So I tell this chick, I got to go see where this flash just came from. Someone just took my picture. And I start walking off in that direction. Well, it's a drop-off. I mean, a complete drop-off. I'm talking 25, 30 feet. I'm like, well, I'm not going down there. How, what the hell is that? So I, you know, whatever. Strange, but in the back of your head. So then it's evening, and I'm attending one of the Beachfoot places. And we walked up in the mountains. There's four girls, and I walked way up in, on the top of this mountain. And halfway up there, we stopped, um, and we were talking. And so there's two girls in front of me on the side of the road, and I'm looking over their shoulders, and we're talking. And I see this flash again. Boom, flash cube. And I go, someone just took my picture. And I remember, you know, one of the girls was one of the chicks who got skunked up at, you know, the other place. Sorry, chick, didn't like you. But she goes, no one can be taking a picture here. And I go, whatever, chick, shut up. Someone just splashed the light over here. Well, so I wanted to walk off and check it out. And luckily, the other two chicks go, well, no, let's just continue up the road. I say luckily because the next day, Tom Cantrell drove me back up there because I left my hat at the top. And I go, stop right here. This is where the flash cube was. And I walked off. And right beyond the flowers growing on the side of the road, it fell, boom, straight down. It was another straight drop off. And I go, oh, my God, Tom, I'm so glad I didn't walk over here last night. God knows where I would have ended up. I mean, it was straight down. And he's like, oh, interesting. Because, you know, Tom believes me, you know. He's had, he's been in a lot of these weird situations where Tom has been there. And so I don't know what that is either. Now, if anybody else has ever had this where you, all of a sudden it's like someone just took your picture in the middle of the woods, I would like to know what that is. Yeah, I really would too. There are a couple of things I want to I want to bring up. First of all, uh, last summer when you and I went camping, you and I were mm-hmm. sitting out by the fire and then you saw a flash of light next to your car. Do you remember that? Did I? Yeah. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I I didn't see it. I had just been hap- I I happened to just be looking like in a slightly different direction. Uh, but you you saw this flash of light next to your car, and you said that okay. it, and you said that it did illuminate the ground next to your car. Um, and th- there were it, yeah, and we were way out there. There we were, were drinking. Well, well, we were, yeah, but we were also... <laughs> but that doesn't discount the fact that we do know that they were in camp, because you and I heard the female vocalize. We did, yeah, and then uh, over the coming days, there were a number of stick communications as well, so they were definitely there. Oh, and I found, yeah, I, I found some footprints. They were they were around for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that, and that bugs me. Because, hmm. yeah, that's another thing that bugs me, because um, before... When we decided to do this, I pulled my journals out that is, you know, since I wrote the book, what has happened since then, you know, so I could. And it's so awesome to keep a journal because things that happened like two years ago, I'm reading it going, oh, my gosh, that's right. I forgot about that. You know, when so much stuff happens, boom, 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 it's easy to discount the stuff that doesn't scare the heck out of you. Those are the ones that are most front in my mind, usually, are the ones that scare the heck out of me. I can see why. Sure. 
I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of telling though, just how much Sasquatch interaction you have that you could say, oh well, these interactions that weren't quite so noteworthy, I just kind of forgot about them. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if they're fine and everything, then yeah, you just kind of go, oh, I'll go back to that place. But yeah, reading through the journal was kind of fun. You get to relive the things that didn't scare the heck out of you. Absolutely. <laughs> like last summer, we went to Cleelum up in Washington. And we did a um, seven-day camp out there. And that was really fun because the, um, the I guess they're barred owls. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Right? Yeah. So we had a couple of those going off. And <laughs> the squads came in, and they were trying to mimic them. And they were doing fine. But there was one, and I think it must have been a juvenile, who just couldn't get it right. And he would crack me up because he would be like, Cool, cool. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, not like that. Try again. That was not right. And so I was having fun with that. They were all trying to be the barred owls, but how can you have barred owls around you on six sides camp? How many animals is there supposed to be out there? Right? It was fun. That was fun. Right. Well, supposedly, uh, barred owls are the animal most mistaken for Sasquatch calls. Uh, apparently, those are the two things that get oh, mixed yeah. up the most. I can see that when a lot of people say, and that's why we weren't sure until that one just couldn't get it straight because we're like, who, 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 who? He kind of ended it each time, and you know, each time was different. We're like, try again, and we knew that out there because we found a handprint. You know, um, David saw one right outside his camp. You know, we all camp in different spots, obviously, and and he had a visual. And then the next day, they found a handprint where one was coming up behind the picnic table while he was looking at one in front of his picnic table, and you know. Obviously, we don't just say, oh, it was a squatch unless we have verifiable evidence. But see, the thing that I don't understand is having interactions all the time. I'm not all the time. No, yeah, mostly all the time. Um, People will say, you must be lying because no one can have that many interactions. I was even told by Peter Burns that I was a liar. No one sees more than one if you ever see one. And, you know, um, the man may be great and all, but we don't get along. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. Yes, it's possible to have a good relationship with them. Maybe that's that hive mind. I mean, how did the ones in powers know to make me a glyph out of beach grass when I was the first beach grass was my first ever, ever anything. And it means so much to me. How would they know this? I'm in a different state. They don't know me. You know, um, things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> just just to back up for a second, what you what you uh, were talking about with the calls, the juvenile trying to perfect the call and getting it wrong. That actually sounds a lot like what Kip was telling us about uh, about what he heard of them mimicking the calls and doing a very poor job of it. Do you, do you remember oh, him? Right on. Well, very good. It's uh, it just it's it's just one of those things, you know. These similarities just keep popping up, and whenever they do, whenever I find these commonalities, I just have to point them out. Yeah, well, see, I mean, if you spend time in the woods and you listen to animal sounds, and animals can make varied sounds, they don't always make the same sound, you know, you can kind of hear when they make those mistakes. You pick up on it a little better if you know what you're supposed to be hearing, what a real coyote sounds like, what a real barred owl sounds like, you know, what a this versus that. And and, and bobcat, you know, mountain lions, they can make some strange sounds. All kinds of sounds. 
flop beyond yips and meows, I'll tell you, they can curl your blood out there. Yeah, they sure can. They can sound like a crying baby, a crying woman, uh, all, right? all sorts of stuff. Right. When I first started, someone had told me this story. They were camping, and they heard this child crying in the woods, and the wife wanted to go check it out. And the husband was like, are you crazy? <laughs> There's no child out there. <laughs> You're going to get eaten. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, people like to say that Sasquatches are responsible for the Latin American legends of La Llorona, the sad woman. So, but but I think it's actually very probable that that is at least in large part res- the, the responsibility of uh, mountain lions. So this this legend is essentially it's about a, a spirit, the spirit of a very sad, crying woman out you know out in the mm. wilderness, and she's wailing and you know and crying and just carrying on out in the woods, and and it's a, it's supposed to be this you know this spirit that people are very afraid of, but in reality, I think it's a mountain lion most of the time. Could be. They can definitely sound like that. Yeah. I want to back up for a second. I want to ask you more about the orbs. Uh, okay. First of all, I, I have a few ideas. First of all, the fact that it's not giving, it's not uh, illuminating the environment around it, it, this tells me perhaps that it, it is something that you're see- seeing with kind of your internal eye. As a matter of fact, your pineal gland, which actually has rods and cones in it. And I think this may play a part in how people see auras. So essentially, I think what what may be happening, there's just one possibility, you may be seeing these orbs in the same way that some people see auras. It's a, it's a real actual light, but it's not something that would register physically. It is something that you're seeing. It's a reality, but it's not a physical light. What do you think of that? Well, so then everyone else around would be seeing it the same way, or everyone would be seeing different depending on how calcified your pineal gland may be. Right. Because both Christy and Wendy described it the same way, because I don't lead people on. I say, what did you see? Describe it. Me and Christy, we never talk during an encounter. We never share during an encounter. We share the next day. What did you see? What did you feel? I never, ever want someone to go, hey, look over there, five degrees out, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, stop. Do what you're doing, have fun, laugh, have a good time. We'll talk about it later. Because, you know, I don't want to lead around and go, I saw this. And then someone goes, oh, that's what I saw. No. You know, describe what you saw first. <laughs> and my friends know I'm going to do that to them because that's just how I am. Well, that's that's an interesting approach. I really like that. I really like that you that you don't influence one another's perception and you wait until after the event is over to compare notes. That's very effective. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's, I think, the best way to do it, I mean, because you don't want to put thoughts in someone else's head. You know, like when me and Christy were being held down in the truck, I mean, we were being immobilized while this one came in so pissed off about the garbage on this mountain. People got to quit polluting. OMG. He wanted to rip someone's head off. I'm telling you, he was angry. And he let us know, but I let him know, dude, it's not us. Luckily for us, the whole back of the truck was full of garbage. I mean, tires, batteries, diapers. Fast food stuff, obviously, just, you know, in creeks and rivers. We cleaned that all, you know, we cleaned for two days. Well, so we were able to diffuse it, I believe, by letting them know it's not us. You know, dude, no, you know, it's not, it's not us. So um, we didn't talk about that either until the next day, except when he lightened us. When we were like go of, I call it, what else can you call it? My legs felt like they were floating, like they were rising up because they were so light suddenly. And I go, my legs are floating. She goes, no, they're just lighter. And I go, don't tell me what my legs are doing. I go, oh, wait, stop. Let's get out. 
you, you know, well, first we flashed the alarm on the truck, obviously, and let the campsite up because we were scared. <laughs> and the fire was going out, so we had to make a bad dash for the fire and build it up. But so we didn't talk about it until the next day. I go, why did you say they were light when they were floating? And you know, blah blah blah. And uh, and the next weekend, I called Tom and I go, Tom, this guy's so angry. Oh my gosh, but we love this site. And he goes, let's go camp there again. So we went the next weekend, and it came back. And it was still angry, and it talked to me, and I talked to him, and then it walked over towards where Tom was on the other side of this little area, and I go, okay, it's going to go talk to Tom. Awesome. Tom will calm him down. So he did talk to Tom, and Tom talked to him, and I heard it walk past my tent, it left. And I thought, okay, sweet. Awesome. You know, but when you hit an aggressive... I think there's a reason. Now, I can't say, oh, it's because the East Coast is supposed to be a lot meaner, and I've never been on the East Coast. But I know here, the only aggressive ones I've met with had a reason to be so. Humans. Irresponsible, disrespectful humans. It was always the case. And and luckily, I can say, that's not me. (laughs) You know, you can look inside. You know, this ain't ain't me, dude. You know, I'm respectful. Look at my campsite. It's clearer than when I got here. (laughs) I stress that so much because that is so important to them it is yeah i yes i've i am aware of this myself that that it it is absolutely crucial that one expect uh, respects their environment their home space of course well even more than that respect the land you live on have you no respect for yourself do you know how adamantly they say this to me have you no respect for yourself you have no respect for the land you live on you have no respect Always about human beings. You have no respect. I'm like, I agree. <laughs> I agree completely. You have respect for the land you live on. Have respect for yourself. You want to live in this filth? Well, hell no. You know, so just think about that when you go out, people. Clean it up first. Clean it up after. Thank you. Squatch, love you. If you clean up your campsite. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. If you want to, if you actually want to interact with a Sasquatch or learn anything about them, then step one: respect them, respect yourself, respect the environment, be responsible. Correct. Because, because really, the be normal the Sasquatch inquiry is really one of harmony. It's really about harmony, and one one does learn this going further and further into it it's one has to be in harmony in a lot of ways in order to make this happen successfully so part of that is you know being in harmony with the with the nature around you mm-hmm. and caring i treat them like friends i call them brother and sisters they're hello brother hello sister because that's what they are to me and if i treat them that way i feel like i'm getting that back i can't prove that it's just a feeling well, that is actually very much tied into something very complicated that I've been working on for a long time that's actually kind of coming to a head right now. And long story short, suffice it to say, I think you're right. I think that that, that actually is the case. They are brothers and sisters for sure. The same the same as us is, is what I am beginning to see. I, it's, it's what I've suspected all along, but I am beginning to see uh, confirmation of this, that they are the same type of consciousness that we are well see for me it's always been all my life all things are created equal all things are related um a crow is my brother a squirrel is my sister that's me trees are grandfathers and grandmothers respecting all things we're all related i don't know it's just who i am i mean yeah i hear you and i'm trying to get that and my grandson i'm so proud of him um he'll step over an ant he goes what right does he have to take his life so, I don't know. I mean, I think for me it goes beyond the 
I mean, we know by the DNA test that they do have human blood, but I think it's beyond that. If you look at the entire world, we aren't... People say, well, we're over the earth. Well, we're here to protect it, not ruin it. Figure it out. If God gave us the um, to be above all animals, maybe it's to take care of them, not kill them all and, and pollute everything. I mean... Hello? Exactly. People have taken certain things that they've read in Scripture and made assumptions about it. People make assumptions about so much stuff, including the wisdom from the past, all the way on up to all the way on up to modern scientific inquiry. People are making tiny little assumptions along the way that drastically alter the trajectory of one's understanding. And and right here, you yeah. you've given a perfect example of one when God tells us that we have dominion over the animals. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah. The Western world assumes that that means we can do whatever the fuck we want to animals. That's not what that means. Right. When we're given dominion over animals, that means they are our responsibility. That means that, right. that it, right. is, it is our job to steward the, the natural world around us. See, when I, when I talk about us being brothers and sisters, this is exactly what I'm saying. It, cool. God, the, the one infinite parent of all of us, created all of us to be co-creators with God. God gave us consciousness, awareness, individuality, creativity, free will, all the same attributes that God has for the purpose of being co-creators with God in an unfolding infinity. We're supposed to be one big divine family just creating infinity together. And, um, and, and so when I say that we're brothers and sisters, I'm talking about Sasquatches and us both being of this same nature, this this the same beings who were created to be co-creators with God. Oh yeah, and and I think they're actually um, like um, my life when I was younger. Right, we learned that we have a thumb, so we are um, top of the food chain. And then I met Sasquatch, and I went, "That couldn't be any part of the food chain. <laughs> These guys could annihilate everybody on Earth if they really wanted to. Right. They're top of the food chain, and yet, how do they live with nature?" Right? I mean, we don't spend too much money looking for another planet while we destroy this one. It's kind of yeah. dumb to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think it's absurd. We we are part of our part of part of our objective for finding habitable planets is to escape this one that we've ruined. I think that is yeah. so ridiculous. But then you look at Mars and you wonder, did we do that to that too? Is that what happened to Mars? <laughs> that's a that's a good point. A barren actually. wasteland. Yeah. Okay, we're off Sasquatch now, I think, huh? <laughs> well, you know, it's all connected. As far as I'm concerned, That's it's true. it's all connected. And and actually what you're talking about right now, you know, connects with stuff that I've been studying for a long time about, you know, ancient civilizations and in- ancient civilizations having uh, accomplished space travel and the connection of Sasquatch with these ancient civilizations. So you you're actually talking about stuff that that is all very connected in my own mind. Yeah, see, I went off on that tangent many years ago. Um, I met Pearl Joe. I'm going to give her a plug. I don't know if she wants one. She's a very private person. But Pearl Joe has been studying uh, cloaking and um, since she saw it many, many years ago. And um, also got into ancient civilizations and how many of the wild men in the woodwows, if you go into those two subjects, that's Sasquatch. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they have them on churches and mausoleums and, you know, it, pictures. Um, this doesn't go on way before, like, everybody goes, oh, the natives knew. Well, they knew in the 15th century, 14th century, for goodness sakes. Right. And you're you're referring to Pearl Pearl Prehoda, are you not? Correct. Pearl Joe Prehoda. Gotcha. Have okay. you got into her cloaking and, and um, 
that's a very interesting subject for anyone that wants to get into it. She's been researching it for many, many years and um, even wrote a paper and a book, and I highly suggest her work. Yeah, Pearl Prehoda is the author of a book called Manotang. Man-O-T-A-N-G is the name of Pearl Prehoda's book. Her last name is P-R-I-H-O-D-A. Pearl Prehoda. She's an interesting lady, and uh, a lot of a lot of what she a lot of what Pearl talks about is uh, very much complementary to what Kathy is talking about. And of course, these two ladies are friends, and so that's what Kathy is referring to right now—the work of Pearl Prehoda. Thank you. That was cool. Right on. <laughs> and um, like in her book, um, she goes off on the DNA maybe being more orangutan, but I think what's really interesting is her work on the cloaking. And getting down to the minerals, and and I'll let people research that one because it's very interesting, and I don't want to give too much away, but I think she's on to something. It is quite interesting. Um, like uh, like I, like with you, I have not yet had a chance to finish Pearl's book because you know I just dude get on it. What are you doing? <laughs> well, well I, like I'm trying to tell you, like every day there is stuff there that people want me to read every day. So oh, I've just, I've gotcha. just got this. I've got, I, and I'll get to all of it. I, I love that people are sending me information all the time. I, I love it, and that's what I want to happen. But it just takes some time to to get to all of the information that I have to read. So that's, and, that's why. Yeah, and do your radio shows and live your life. Exactly. <laughs> and and produce an upcoming movie and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot to do. There's a lot of reading okay. to do. You're forgiven, then. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I do want to ask you, I want to go back for a second, ask you one more quick question about the orbs. Um, okay. Some people believe that the orbs are the Sasquatch themselves in their purest form. How do you feel about that? I don't know. Because, see, what I've always done, what people will find with my journey, is someone will say something, and I'll go, okay, and I'll put it into my mind. Okay? Anything that I have doubted during this journey has been shown to me if they can do it. I'm talking way back to glyphs. When glyphs first started being a thing, I thought, well, yeah, sticks fall. I see them all the time. Okay? That's what everybody thinks. And so then um, they showed me a glyph that showed up overnight at Beachfoot. I'm like, well, that's a little more evidence. Okay, hmm, interesting. But, you know, I put it into my mind and I go on with it. And I don't want anything to influence me. And so the first time that we were left glyphs, me and Christy in front of our tents, there was no doubt in my mind they were not there the night before. We clean camps when we get there. We uh, sweep the areas, you know. Um, that's just what we do. We got two kids running around. Um, so they were not there the night before. And Christie's was right, but she couldn't get out of her tent without stepping on it, which is how we were notified. Because I was sitting down at the river, they're going to go up, and she starts screaming my name, get up here now. And there's this big old glyph in front of her tent, like, wicked. And she goes, go check your tent. Mine was behind my tent on the trail we used to go to the porta potty. And, and I'm telling you, these happen in undeveloped campsites. I don't have to go 15 miles into the woods anymore. So, Mine was made out of beach grass. We were nowhere near a beach. There was none of this grass anywhere. We hiked 15 miles in a week and a half looking for this stuff. Never found it. But I did, if you drive 10 miles farther down that road and follow the signs to a swamp, there's a freaking swamp out there. 10 miles from where we were camped, and I found this five years later. I'm like, oh, and there's this grass. And it's that grass that if you try to pull it in, it will cut you. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, yeah. Grows in the sand dunes and it's serrated edges on all sides, and these weren't cut; they were pulled. 
and I have pictures of that still, obviously. So, so there in my mind, okay, I can no longer doubt glyphs. I doubted orbs. Here's some orbs for you. I doubted that they can talk to you. Here I'm talking to you. Okay? Um, everything I doubt, I put in my head, and I let them show me at the time. Now, I have asked and not been taught any more lessons for a while because the last one scared the shit out of me. Cloaking. Cloaking with my mind. Yeah, cloaking. <laughs> Fun subject. Let's all fight about it. Well, when one appears in front of you less than 10 feet away, cloaking. No, you mean you can be here the whole freaking time and I don't even know you're standing here? Oh, no. No, that's invasive and I don't like it. Okay? That pushed me back for a little while. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. If you're going to come in my camp, it's like I asked them in the beginning. Never come in on all fours. You look like a spider and spiders freak me out. Just walk on in. They've done that. So do not appear before me. Go out there and walk in. <laughs> no, no, no. The cloaking is real, and it'll freak you out. And I have been scared of the night for a couple of years now. It's freaky. It's freaky, dude. It'll freak you right out. It, it is. It, it, so much of what you say, though, just so much parallels other things that I'm hearing elsewhere. I, I really do hope that you go and work with Judy Carroll in the, in the whole rainforest that you, you two have, you're you're like kind of tapped into the same kind of thing. And it's, I think you can, you know, provide each other insight. Oh yeah. I would love to. I definitely want to meet this person. As far as tapped in, in my experiences, it's just something they brought. I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't thinking about it. So I'm not sure why, you know what I mean? Why some people, get the experiences and, and then you get the weird stuff. I don't want the weird stuff. I don't want the UFO stuff. I don't want it. But everybody says, well, it's going to come. No, I don't want it. <laughs> I know the government even admitted to it last year, but I'm sorry. I don't want it. <laughs> I'm going to keep my head in the sand for a little while longer. Thank you. <laughs> well, enjoy it while you can, because I think, I think this is the last year when you're going to be able to keep your head in the sand. I don't think it's going to be possible oh, for very much longer. It's already out. It's in one of our camps out. Real quick for people. Uh, the U.S. Air Force does have a triangular craft. We were in the blues in Washington State, and this thing came over, and it was silent. And it, we were watching the stars is what was going on, sitting by the fire. And all of a sudden, the stars were being blocked out, and then you see this light. And then Ashley goes, oh, it's okay. It's one of ours. And I go, we don't have triangular crafts. She goes, yeah, here's the name of it. Look it up when you get home. You know, Ashley's the smart one of all of us. She is so knowledgeable. And so... We thought we were looking at a UFO, but it, and it was followed by two of our jets. So I'm still going. With, I looked it up when we got online, and yes, we do have one. I mean, they're not you know, admitting completely to it, but people have leaked the information. So if you see a triangular craft, I'm just going to go with it's ours, okay? <laughs> Until the green men step out of it, it's ours. <laughs> see, that's, that's a thing. That's, that's, a, that's one of those things where it could be this or it could be that, because the fact is, we do have these triangular crafts, but we have them because we learned from their triangular I know, crafts. I know. And it could be another misinformation thing, too, so that anybody who has um, reported a triangular craft, they can say, oh, that was ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I mean, it's going to go two ways, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, well, Kathy, you know, there's there's this whole side of things. Like, a, a lot of the things that you question are things that I've been looking into for a long time, and I think I can help you flesh out some of that stuff. So, Like how do I cloak so I can be a fly on the wall and listen to people talk about me? Well, <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> All kinds of stuff, but we'll get more specific about that later. <laughs> 
we're we're in the no 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 i know no but but yeah you're right um all all that kind of stuff but uh kathy we're in the last few minutes of the show now so i there is one more very very important thing that i really need to tie into all this right now um in the last few minutes of the show you mentioned to me an incident that that was that happened just shortly before your very first Sasquatch encounter in which you were told about a childhood experience oh, that you yeah. do not recall. Yeah. Did you want me to tell it? Yes, if you're comfortable doing so. Okay. So it wasn't until after mom passed away and I had this one came out or I went to him, whatever happened. I was sitting with my friends during mom's um, going away thingy and um, they were telling me that when I was four or five, um, I had gone out to the dock by myself, which, you know, kids did back then. And there was two guys out there fishing at the same time. Well, I came running back up to where our camper was parked, screaming, the giants are coming, the giants are coming. And supposedly, this is, you know, from my sisters, the two guys were coming back up into the campsite, telling me to get in your vehicle, get in your vehicle. And, and then I guess my, I ran into the camper and supposedly hid underneath the dining table and wouldn't come out. And we were all, in the camper then because those guys were saying get in your vehicles and then my stepdad went out to talk to him but now i asked him well what happened after that and they didn't really remember they just remembered that i was so scared it scared them and that i wouldn't come out under the table till the next morning i have no recollection of it being that young obviously interesting what were these fishermen doing like they were trying to kind of get everybody to go to their cars or or something They, they were they were very freaked out yeah, they were running back up in this thing. Everybody get in your vehicles, get in your vehicles, get everybody in the vehicles. And that's why Johnny went out to talk to him, and we all got in the camper. I guess I was already under the table and slept under the table. Apparently, I didn't come out until the next day. But, like, you know, I wish Mom or Johnny were still alive so I could get more information about it because that's pretty much what they remembered. If I was five, they were, what, eight and 11. And that's pretty much all they knew. The giants are coming, the giants are coming. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Could be anything at four. I got to saw a bear, but then, you know, the two fishermen going, get in your vehicles, get in your vehicles was kind of weird because if I had run up by myself and they hadn't moved, then I could discount it and go, oh, that's just a little kid. You know, I mean, I thought one time I saw a snake with a frog hanging out of his mouth, I thought it was a monster. So, but with these two fishermen being adamantly getting ready in your vehicles, you know, to a camping area uh, full of hunters, you know, we always hunted with all his hunting friends. Do you think the the fishermen themselves actually saw something? Is that your impression, or did, were they just going by what you were talking about? I don't know, because I don't remember. I'm just going by what my sisters told me. Right, right. I just wondered Which, if they... It was one con- of those things, you're like, you could have shared this like five years earlier, you know? We could have discussed it. <laughs> no but, kidding. Well, because I had told them what had happened to me, and then, you know, for a while there, I thought I was going crazy, but I think I'm okay. You know, because mom had just passed. So when all this was going on, honestly, my mindset was, yeah, whatever, let it go. I got enough to worry about. Sure. You know, yeah. when this thing started talking to me and moving me and stuff, I just had other things on my mind. I just want to make crystal clear the timeline of these things. There was the, the passing of your mother, the uh-huh. gathering the gathering of you and your siblings. No, nope. of- passing of my mother, a month later, the Sasquatch encounter and the handprint and the talking to you. And then two days later, I found the bed and was told, why are you stealing stuff from me? I felt very chastised. Then a week later, I went and met with everybody, and they told me that story. And then we started driving around the mountains, and then, oh my God, just read the book. There's so much that happened in the middle there. 
<laughs> you, 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 yeah, you're, you're right, Kathy. I just have to finish reading the book. <laughs> yeah, because I'm often I'm wondering too. It's like, did I see something? Was Cindy standing there watching us? I mean, you know, I'd like to know. Like, but there are other things that you know, for like hypnosis to find out what the hell happened here. I thought about it years ago. There was a guy at Beachfoot, one of our Beachfoot gatherings, and he was like, he was a um, hypnotist. Hypnotist, thank you. And um, Diane Stocking, she was like, well, Kathy, do you want to get hypnotized? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I squawk like a chicken every time a bell rings. What's going to happen here? Right. <laughs> well, actually, that you should read about Edgar Casey's origin story because it begins very much like that, as a matter of fact. Really? Yeah. Edgar Casey, when he was in his early 20s, well, first of all, Edgar Casey had been experiencing spiritual and psychic phenomena his entire life since he was a small child. But in Edgar Casey's early 20s, he developed throat paralysis. And so he, a friend of his took him to a traveling hypnotist to, to see this hypnotist, and he was called on stage. And uh, while Edgar Casey was under hypnosis, he actually told the hypnotist to give him the suggestion to unparalyze his own throat which the hypnotist did, and, 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 and upon waking, Edgar Casey could then speak normally, but the throat paralysis would periodically return. So he would have to continue putting himself under hypnosis to, to cure his own throat paralysis, and he accidentally discovered in this state that he could not only treat his own throat paralysis, but he could diagnose and prescribe treatments for the illnesses of other people. So uh, that is how Edgar Casey began, is by seeing a hypnotist. Wow. Yeah. I guess I better go read up on him. Well, last time we were talking, I saved the webpage, but like you, I haven't finished it. <laughs> right, right. Well, I suppose I can forgive you too, Kathy. <laughs> can you forgive me for that one? I can, yeah. <laughs> Kathy, we are at the end of the show. Um, I want to give your book one more time, of course. The the author is K.J. Blunt, and Blunt is B-L-O-U-N-T. By the way, Kathy, the J, that, that's got to stand for Gene, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what they called me when I was little. Kathy Jean. Kathy Jean. <laughs> that's what I thought. All right. The, the author is K.J. Blunt, B-L-O-U-N-T. The book is My Journey into Myth and Mystery, The Search for Sasquatch. And it is available on Amazon. And I'm telling you, even though I haven't finished this book, I, I have read a, a fair <laughs> amount of this book. And I have talked to Kathy, so I know that there is interesting and valuable stuff in here. So go pick it up on Amazon, My Journey into Myth and Mystery, The Search for Sasquatch by K.J. Blunt. Kathy, thank you so much for finally joining me on Type 471. Well, you're welcome. And it was fun. Of course it was fun. It's always fun talking to me. What are you talking about? I know. It is. Well, we're going to have to do it again at least once or twice because there's much more to go over. Yeah, let's do that. I do have more. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. We'll keep those things in mind and we'll talk again before long. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Kathy. Okay. Good night, champ. If you would like to be privy, to the reckoning in consciousness that is Type 471. Go immediately to your preferred podcast platform and follow the show. Rate Type 471. Give it as many or as few stars as you believe it deserves. Say your piece in the comments. And share Type 471 with other people. Like-minded people. People like you who can hear in my voice that I am deadly serious about delivering wondrous truths to you. So if you believe in what I'm attempting to do, make sure everybody knows just how you feel 
about type 471. Finally, to share your own wondrous experiences with me, email me at type471podcast at gmail.com. I'm Sam Kitchen. Happy New Year, dear listener. Y feliz año nuevo. I will speak to you next week. <laughs>